0: I want to start off this morning with a little survey. Have you ever prayed or any of you ever prayed any type of prayer that goes kind of like this? God, if you just get me through this, just save me from this right now. I'll serve you forever. Anybody ever pray a prayer kind of like that? Okay. Just kind of Furtive, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But most of us have prayed prayers like that, haven't we? Uh, It could be a test that you didn't study for. It could be as the highway patrolman's walking up to the side of your car. Oh, God, please just let him give me a warning. It could be, you know, I'll never speed again. It could be that uh, you have uh, really done the wrong thing and you have gotten off somewhere, and you drank too much, and you pray, oh God, just please get me home safely. And uh, maybe he did, and the next morning you don't know where your car is. (laughs) Anyway, but the thing is, is that, uh, in fact, I heard about one, I read this guy, he said that uh, uh, on New Year's Eve, he realized he drank too much, and uh, he went ahead and He did what they always said to do. He took a taxi and he said, I must say it worked, but now I don't know what to do with this taxi. (laughs) But the thing is, we probably all prayed at one time or another, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this mess, if you'll just help me this time, I won't ever do anything like this ever again. And you know, this is universal if you stop and think about it. You know, they say there are no atheists in foxholes. There comes a time whenever you are in dire straits and even if you don't think you believe in God, you wind up praying to God. And do you know what? It's the same God. It's Jehovah Shammah. You see everybody It's instilled in their heart that God is with them. He is with them. Jehovah Shammah. That's one of the names of our God. And it means the Lord who is here. Jehovah Shammah. And we're in a series right now that I'm calling You Are Not Alone. And deep down in your heart, you know you're not alone. Deep down in the depth of your soul, you know that there is a God or you wouldn't cry out to him whenever you really get in bad straits. In fact, we believe what I want to talk to you about is of the miraculous power that God has to protect us, to save us, and to deliver us. In Psalm 37, verse 39, we read that the Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord rescues the godly. Our God has the power to save, to deliver, to rescue. Yes, he does have that power you remember we talked a couple of weeks ago about the time that we were driving along between Shreveport and Marshall and Sharon's head just started hurting so badly that we pulled over to uh, get some help for her. And when we got back on the road, we discovered that we had avoided a horrendous accident that we'd have been right in the middle of several paw, car, t- terrible, terrible accident. The Lord spared us from that. I was just thinking about about it last night. I had a friend. He was working at one of the plants in Texas City whenever a horrendous explosion happened a couple of decades ago. And he was outside when it happened. And all of a sudden, it's like he just felt something, just a force, just pushed him down into an indentation in the ground under some sort of a uh, framework and after that debris and everything just flew over him if he'd been standing he would have been cut to pieces by the debris and he was he knew that it was the lord had just miraculously protected him from being hurt and the thing is seven people died in that explosion. Whenever Sharon and I were spared in that wreck or from that wreck, other people were horrendously hurt. And so whenever somebody says, oh, isn't it wonderful, you know, that the Lord spared you? Yes, but he doesn't spare everybody, does he? And there's a tension that we live with. And some people, it's so tough, it becomes survivor's guilt that they survived something that somebody else did not. I want to talk to us all today, me included, about this tension that we experience in life as we live with a God who can save, who does protect, but sometimes things don't go the way that we think they should. And The main point I want to get across this morning is that long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. God already has a plan. In the scripture that we heard this morning, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purposes. Not some things, not just the good things. What does it say? Let's say it together. All things. Let's say it together again. All things. All things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. Now then, it doesn't say all things are good, does it? No. It says all things work together for good, big difference that sometimes we don't grasp. Long before you face something unexpected, something difficult, even something tragic, our God already has a plan. We see this all through the Bible. Long before God flooded the earth, God already had a plan for Noah and his family, and the right animals to be on board. Long before Jonah was ever thrown overboard, God had a plan, and he had that fish ready to swallow him up and spit him out on the beach, right? Long before, long before the Israelites ever wound up cornered by the Egyptian soldiers on one side and a mountain on the other side, and the sea on the other, God had a plan to part the Red Sea so they could escape on dry ground. There may be someone here today who finds comfort in the fact that long before you discovered the bad news about your health, or long before you discovered that your job was gone, Before that girl or guy broke your heart, God already had a plan. We know, we know. Paul starts off the phrase or the scripture we read today with, we know. And we know that God is a God who can miraculously rescue, save and protect He could commission angels from heaven to guard his people with just a word. He can shut the mouth of hungry lions. He can calm a raging storm. Long before you ever face a problem, we need to to embrace the truth that God can minister to us, even when we don't understand it. Long before you face a problem, our God already has a plan. When Paul wrote to the Romans, as I said, he said, we know all things work together for good, for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purposes. Now, he spoke these words from experience and from faith. And just one example of that we find in the 16th chapter of Acts, where Paul and Silas are ministering and there's this slave girl that's following around and she keeps shouting out, these men are the very oracles of God. Listen to what they say. And while Paul's trying to talk, she's saying, these men are the oracles of God. And they can't even talk because she keeps on Shouting nice things about them. And so they put up with it for a while, and then finally, Paul just turns around and says, In the name of Jesus, get out of her. And you know what? A demon left. And all of a sudden, she wasn't doing that anymore, and she was a fortune teller that could tell the future. And she couldn't tell the future anymore because it was the demon working through her that was doing that. Now, her owners were making good money off of her. And all of a sudden they lost their cash cow and they were angry. And so they started spreading lies about Paul and Silas. And the next thing you know, a riot breaks out and they wind up being, I'm good in Act 16:22, we read this, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. And after they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Now here are Paul and Silas just out serving Jesus doing good stuff, and operating in his power, faithfully doing what God has called them to do, and they wind up being unfairly accused. They're wrongfully stripped of their clothing, flogged, and beaten with wooden rods. It says they were severely beaten. Now, if I'm Paul, somewhere along the line, I might start thinking, God, That's not fair. This just is a right. Not only was it not fair, it was illegal. You see, Paul was a Roman citizen and he was exempt from that type of punishment. And uh, the thing is, it happened to him. Now, I'm hoping that none of you have been stripped and beaten physically. But tragically, I know There's some of you here, at least, who have been stripped of hope. You once had faith and believed that you could trust God in any situation, but then something happened that just shattered your faith and just stripped it away. Others of you, maybe you weren't beaten with a club, but you've been beaten with words of discouragement, maybe from other people. Or maybe from yourself, as you just talk badly about yourself to yourself. Maybe just beaten down, where once you were vibrant and full of faith. You feel like you've been stripped of what you once held dear, and you've been beaten down unfairly. Think about Paul. What would he do if he's like everybody today? How would he respond? A lot of people today would say, well, God, that's not fair. I don't know where you are. You said you'd protect me and you did not. So what God, what did God not do in this case? God did not provide a miracle of protection, did he? He could have. He could have done that, but he did not do that. So what did the apostle Paul do whenever God let him down? Well, when God didn't protect him, I'll tell you exactly what he did. Same thing happens today all the time. He quit his Bible study. He stopped going to church. He stopped praying and he stopped listening to KHCB and KSBJ radio. And he only listened to secular music from that point on because he was going to show God. That's not what he did, is it? Of course not. But you probably know some people that have done that because that's just the way people are. It's amazing. God could have protected him, but God didn't. If this is getting too real, I'll just move on. Now, let me show you what Paul really did. And this is our example of faith. After God did not miraculously protect Paul when he could have, We find Paul and Silas around midnight, lifting up their voices and giving God praise. And all the other prisoners were listening to them. You can only imagine what they're thinking. They think, are these guys nuts? What's going on here? I've never seen anything like this. And then suddenly... And I love this about our God. He is the God of the suddenly. Just all of a sudden, that's when God comes through, isn't it? When you least expect it, suddenly God does something. Even when you don't see a way out, even when you think you're locked up, and even when you have no hope, even when you've been beaten down and stripped, then suddenly our God will show up. A few moments ago, God did not protect him and wound up with him in this spot, but now God does a miracle. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake, it says, that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and all at once, the prison doors just flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. What's a miracle? A miracle is very simply when the God of heaven intervenes on earth. God earlier didn't do a miracle, and now God does suddenly a miracle. The ground shakes, the doors come open, the chains fall off. Now, this is important. Paul didn't wait to worship until after the miracle, did he? Paul worshiped God, and Silas worshiped God, before the miracle. He worshiped in the midst of his struggle. In fact, I love what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, sometimes we offer up to God what he calls a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice of praise. In other words, there are times when we praise God even when we don't feel it and even when we don't sense his presence with us. Sometimes we praise him when we do. Sometimes we praise him when we don't. And so there in the middle of prison, it's midnight and they are praising God and he shows up. He shows up. It says God inhabits the praise of his people. And here's a good example of God doing that. The jailer wakes up. He's waking by this earthquake. He sees the doors open. He's heard the chains fall. And he's going like, man, I am lost. I'm going to lose my job. These guys are out of here. They're going to kill me because I failed. So I may as well just kill myself and he draws his sword, and he's about to fall on it and kill himself. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Over here. Over here. We haven't left. And the jailer's like, oh my gosh. This God you're singing about is real, isn't he? Tell me what I need to do to be friends with him. (laughs) That's kind of just a paraphrase, but Not only did Paul introduce the jailer to Christ, he also introduced the jailer's entire family to the grace and goodness and the salvation that was available through Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to really notice what happened here. Not only was Paul saved, so was the jailer and the jailer's entire family So what we see, before Paul went to prison, while Paul and Silas were being stripped and beaten, do you see this? God already had a plan. It looked to Paul like this was so unfair and just not right. And like we said earlier, it's not that all things are good. And what was happening to Paul wasn't good. It felt bad. Let's face it. But it worked together for good in God's plan, didn't it? God already had a plan. Before he ever went to prison, God already had a plan. What's obvious is that God did not do a miracle of protection when they were being beaten. But God did at the right time do a miracle of protection while they're in prison. and It's obvious that Paul was protected by God. There's so many other ways that are not obvious to the natural eye that I'm convinced God protects us all the time. You're running running late to a meeting and you get stopped by a train and you just think, oh, this is just not right. And then you have no idea exactly what God's protecting you from that's on the other side of that train that stopped you there. You may be thinking it's not fair, but God, he has a plan and he's protecting you. You wanted that job. You were qualified for it and you didn't get that job and you can't believe it. But then six months later, everybody that got that job is now laid off and they're out of work and you recognize that God may have been protecting you in ways that you didn't understand. There's probably someone here today that might want to give God some praise that he didn't answer one of your prayers the way that you wanted it to happen. You prayed so hard and you wanted something to happen a certain way, but if what you wanted had happened then what God did wouldn't have happened. And you realize now that God did so much better than what you really wanted. For some of you, it has a name. It's that guy or gal that you dated that and you're now then you look back and you thank God you didn't marry that person because you see how things would have gone because he had something so much better and so different in store for you. Sometimes you just offer God sacrifice. You offer him a sacrifice of praise. It may not seem good, but you just offer him a sacrifice of praise while it's going on even as we get to know the goodness of God, his character, his nature, When he breaks off the chain, when he opens the doors, when he could send an angel of deliverance and he doesn't. When we get to know his goodness and his faithfulness, we start to recognize that long before we face a problem, God already has a plan. And over time, as we hopefully spiritually mature, as we grow in our faith, as we become more like Christ, eventually we learn that sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Now let me say that again, made it sink in deeply. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. God delivered Paul from prison until God did not think about this. This wasn't the only time Paul was arrested, was it? It wasn't the only time Paul was put into prison. In fact, scholars estimate that he spent about five and a half to six years in prison. And some of the most moving epistles and the most faith-building writings of Paul were written while he was in prison. He didn't just sit around and sulk when he was in prison saying, God, this isn't fair. God had something for him to do even in the midst of his imprisonment. God broke him out when the time was right. And God did not break him out when God had another eternal purpose. In fact, after... uh, His, I think it was his fifth missionary journey. Paul was in prison and tried by Nero and Paul was found guilty of being faithful to our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. And he was beheaded. He wasn't crucified only because he was a Roman citizen. He was beheaded at that moment when God could have sent an angel, God did not send an angel. Sometimes His eternal purposes are very, very different than what we would want in the moment. And that's when we truly learn to truly, truly trust him for his goodness. One day, you're going to wake up and recognize that he's still good in the middle of the storms. One day, the baby that you prayed for doesn't make it. And the drunk driver who is guilty kills the teenager who is innocent. And seven people whom God loved just as much as all the others who weren't harmed. Their lives are taken on that day. And the eight students and two teachers who didn't make it out when everybody else did. Does it hurt? Yes. Do we grieve deeply for our earthly loss? Absolutely. Does it feel in the moment often devastating? No doubt about it. We're not going to pretend that it doesn't. But we do we continue to trust our God? The answer is yes, we do. And not only do we trust him, but we worship him. We honor him. We worship him when we see him do everything we want him to do. And we worship him when he doesn't do what we know he could do and we think he should do. But he's God because we're not just worshiping him for what we see in his life. We're worshiping him because of who he is and because of his character So how does this really all play out? If we serve a God that can protect, how do we live as followers of Christ? Well, I'll tell you, this is how we live. We pray for God's divine protection. And I hope every one of you does that. You hope and you pray every day. If you're married, I hope you pray for protection for your spouse and for you and for your marriage. I hope you pray for your friends, and I hope you pray for protection for the people here in your church. I hope you pray for your pastor. I hope you pray for the protection of your children. And how do you pray? Pray that the Lord will put angels around them to protect them because God can do that. Pray protection for them from wrong influences that they wouldn't be tripped up by the lies of the devil. Pray that God would protect their minds, that God would surround them and protect them from all sorts of evil. And pray knowing that God loves each one of them just as much or more than you do, and that He's going to work everything for the best of those of you who love Him and are called according to His purpose. I must say in my life, there have been many times where God's allowed things that I didn't understand or that I didn't want to happen at all. And I've asked, God, why didn't you? Where were you? But I have learned God already has a plan. And sometimes the plan includes pain. I don't know about you, but I had rather hurt in the will of God than live in comfort outside of it. I would rather be in the middle of learning to trust God when things don't go my way, than be away from His will, because I've discovered that that's much worse. As I look back, I can honestly say that a lot of the pain and anguish I have experienced as I have served the Lord has helped to shape me into a much better and more faith-filled person today than I would have been if God hadn't allowed the momentary hardship. I'm not saying I've arrived by any means. Don't get me wrong. But I know that I'd be a lot worse if he hadn't shaped me and I hadn't hung in there. This is what Paul did say from prison. He said, we rejoice in suffering. He said, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, I will rejoice all the more. He said, I delight in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties, because whenever I'm weak, God makes me strong. He asked the question in the scripture reading we had at the beginning, who? shall separate us from the love of God, shall trouble or hardship or famine or nakedness or danger or peril or sword. And then he answers his own question in faith. No, in all these things, he said, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. He said, we serve a God who is working in all things. He is working in all things to bring about good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. He's working in the breakups and the breakdowns. He's working in the losses. He's working in the wins. He's working in the things that you wanted to happen. He's working in the things that you never wanted to happen. That's our God, and that's why we can praise him. We praise him before the miracle because we know that he is always good. He is always good, and I hope you'll understand that God never, ever promised to always protect us, but he did promise that he would never, ever leave us. He will always be with us. You'll never be alone. He's always faithful. He is always good. And so if you're one that does walk away from tragedy, you praise him. And if you're one that loses someone in tragedy, you praise him. You praise him because long before you had a problem, he already had a plan.